is a great time for families to worship together. So if you bring your kids close as we worship the one who deserves all of our praise. Psalm 33, let the godly sing for the joy of the Lord. It is fitting for the pure to praise him. Praise the Lord with melodies on the lyre. Make music for him on the 10 string harp. Sing a new song of praise to him. So we're gonna sing a new song this morning. We did it Wednesday for the first time and it's fast and it's loud and it's wonderful. Did you guys know that God defeats the enemy with our praises? Something that we can do for him and he turns it around for our good just like he does every time. So let's be excited this morning and praise the king above all kings, amen?
goes before us. And let's believe in that. Let's believe that he made everything we were going to need. He's not surprised by our circumstances. He already knows what you're going through, and he sees the end. Amen? No mighty fortress, you go before us. Every time. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. You shine in the shadows. You win every battle. Nothing can stand against the power of our God. If you have a young child with you, they got bags at the back counter, go get a bag for your child. Kurt, you're in the youth now, man. Live streamers, it's good to have you wherever you're watching from. Facebook, YouTube, it's good to have you with us today. Actually, wherever you watch from, say hi on there. Say uh, wave or throw something in there, and, and we'd love to interact with you, but it's good to have you. All right, everybody, good morning. Good morning, good morning. 
Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Give it a little bit for me. If you guys don't sit down, I'm going to sing a song. You don't want that. I'll get, I'll get ready. Get ready to sing a song. All right, so today, as you can tell, Today is one big family Sunday, and on the fifth Sundays of the year, the kids staying with us for the whole service. And I know for some of you, it's like, why do we do that? Well, we're a multi-generational church. We love our kids, and we don't always want to separate them out all the time, but it's good to have them with us. So if you missed the announcement, there are bags for the kids at the back counter if they want one in a coloring page. There's one bag left. Um, and they, oh, oh, by the way, I'm going to say something. Wiley, Wiley, let me see your back for a second. Parents, help me out. Now, I did this, so I know this is my fault. But every bag, I put a Super Bowl. Have them keep the Super Bowl in the bag to after church. Then they can take the Super Bowl to the park and do whatever they want with it. But... We'll keep the Super Bowls in the bags till church is over. How about that? Help me out a little bit. All right, everybody. Well, we know it'll be a little bit louder with the kids and whatever, but I'm glad to have the kids up with us. So tithe and offering. If you have something to give, you can prepare that. Uh, offering envelopes are in the chairs in front of you, or there's Gavin, one of our young ushers. Come down here, Gavin. Gavin's got offering envelopes. He also has prayer cards. So... If you need one of those, wave your hand around and Gab, keep coming down here, Gavin, all the way down. I just want them to see you. That's it, right there. Okay, there we go. All right, so if you need something, Gavin will help you out. But it's good to have you today. So as you give today, again, we, we are people who live by faith. Tell your neighbor we live by faith. Tell them that. So when we live by faith, that means we obey and listen to what God is leading us in. Even when we don't understand all the time, living by faith is living in what he has said. And then the benefits of living by faith will then always come to us. Sometimes in fits and starts and uh, places we grow and sometimes we, we uh, have seasons where it doesn't feel like a lot's happening. But the deal is this, live by faith means persevering through. Amen. And every act of obedience you do because you live by faith will ultimately bring the benefit of how you live in faith. Amen? All right, so let me pray over your tithes and offering. If you have something to give, you can bring it down to the baskets up here. Lord, we thank you. As we continue our worship today in our giving, Lord, that we are honoring you with the first fruits of what comes into the increase of our house because you are the one who provides all of our needs. And I thank you for that, that you are the faithful one. And we live in your faithfulness. We thank you for your faithfulness. In Jesus' name we all say, amen. amen. All right. So I do have uh, some announcements before we get into the, to the Bible today. Uh, don't forget, today right after church is our church picnic. So as soon as church is over, and service will be a little bit shorter today because of it, and also because the kids are with us. We're going to head over to the Urbana Park uh, it's first come, first serve on the pavilion, so we hope we get the one right by the volleyball courts, but as soon as church is over, we're going to head over there. Uh, I'm bringing a bunch of fried chicken, or, or Bill's picking it up anyways, and hopefully you guys brought some food to share. We'll have water out there, but come on out to the park for a while. We'll have a good time, play some volleyball, hang out, have some fellowship, and uh, just spend some time together. So again, right after church today. Also, second thing is, tomorrow night starts what we are calling Serve Week. So every night this week, including Wednesday, and I'll talk to you about Wednesday just for a second, uh, we are having something where we're going out into the community, serving our community. So tomorrow night, we're simply going to go door to door in our neighborhood and introduce ourselves and invite them out to church. Pretty simple. Ask if they have prayer needs or whatever. That's tomorrow night. Tuesday night, we're going to hit the local laundromats in Urbana, pay for some laundry and just ask if people would like some prayer. Wednesday night, we're going to come together. We're going to have a worship song. I'm going to do a short teaching, and we're going to head out into the streets, and we're going to pray for our neighborhood. Thursday night, uh, we're heading over to the Sycamore House. We're going to do some outside work at the Sycamore House for them. 
And then Friday night, part of what we're doing tomorrow is we're going to invite everybody to a little cookout here at the church Friday night. So kind of a community neighborhood cookout. So, and you can help us do that. So uh, sign-up sheets are back there. You don't have to come every night. You can come one night. You can come all. But we would love for you guys to be a part of what's happening in Serve Week. So every night it starts at 6 o'clock. So tomorrow night we'll meet here at 6 o'clock and go from there. So I'm excited about that. Uh, On top of that, a week from today, now this is for the kids, a week from today, the main uh, church, the mothership, Bakken's church, is throwing an event they call Aqua Grande. It is a big, giant water event at the church. And that is for preschool through fifth grade. So if you want your kid to be involved, there's a sign-up sheet at the back table. Uh, sign your kid up. And what they're going to do is next Sunday, they're actually going to leave here in a van and go to the church over there at 11 o'clock. So before we're done with service, the kids that signed up are going to go over. We'll have some leaders take them. Then I'm going to head over after church, and when the event is over, I'm going to bring everybody back here for pickup. So if you want your kid to be involved in that, sign up, and I'll call you with some details about what that's about. They'll provide food, just send them in swimwear, you know, some sunscreen, and they'll be out having a great time at uh, the Aqua Grande event. So if you have questions about that, see me right after church or find me at the picnic. And last but not least, just to throw that slide up, I'm not going to leave this up now. But as soon as church is over, I'm going to put this back. I got a little church survey. So it's a a really short one. It involves about five questions. And over the next month, every time church is over, they're going to throw this slide up. And if you want to participate, all you do, how many of you never used a QR code before? Okay. Act like you're going to take a picture, put it on there. And what it'll do is when when you, you don't have to take the picture, when it puts up like you're going to take a picture, it'll put a little website. You hit that. It'll take you to survey. When you fill out the survey, it'll send it to where I collect the information. So that's going to go up at the church over the next month. It's got some quick questions that I'm interested in, and that will help me out and some things that uh, I'm thinking about. So having said that, you got your Bibles, get them out, John chapter number 15. All right, all the kids in the house, wave your hand at me. Let me see who's, who's the kids in the house. Yeah, even Lori, even Lori... Uh, how many of y'all are still young at heart? Okay, Lori, there you go. Young, there you go. Okay, so we're, we're all young at heart in the house today. But we love one big family Sunday because we love our kids. And uh, uh, let me just say this. This is not part of my message. But I want everybody to look at the family that you're sitting with, your family. Now, now, now everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. You need to be fighting for your family. Fight for your family. That's the biggest fight you have in this world is for your family. Amen. If you're married, everybody look at me. Fight for your spouse. Some of y'all need to quit fighting with your spouse and start fighting for your spouse. And all the mess is trying to get in between in your marriage, you need to fight it. How about you start fighting the devil instead of, instead of your spouse all the time? Now, I understand you got to go through stuff, but look, if you're interested in fighting for your spouse when you fight with your spouse, it'll be a whole different ballgame. You got to fight for your family. Now, now, by the way, the month of September, that's what we're going to be talking about on Sunday morning, so make sure you're here for that. Next week, by the way, August, I'm just going to show a little commercial. The month of August, I'll be doing a series called I'm Not Good Enough, dot, 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 and we're going to deal with that. September, we're going to be talking about what it means to fight in our society for the valuable things that we have in our life. So some of y'all, by the way, get back to what I was saying before, some of y'all have got to start laying down the petty stuff you're fighting about and get back to working to make sure of a thriving relationship with your spouse and your family. Because it is the priority of what God has given you. If we say that God gives us things and, and, and he purposes things, well, certainly then that's the case for your spouse and your family. And by the way, if, if, you, if you're a mom and dad and your kids don't live at home anymore, that don't mean you don't fight for them anymore. You still fight for them. That never stops. You never stop fighting for your kids. You never stop fighting for your family. Amen? 
Okay. That's not my message. So John chapter 15. We're closing out today the series on the vine and the branches, Jesus being the vine, the source of life, and God being the gardener. Now look, God is out for your best interest. You know that. You know that. God's interested in what is best for you. That's why the Bible says, and Jesus says, I am the true vine, and he is the vine dresser, he is the gardener. Jesus is the source of life, new life, salvation, but then in that big picture, then not only do you get saved, forgiven of your sins, but now God is interested in taking care of you in all facets of your life. But what that means is in taking care of you, I think maybe we need to think about that because taking care of you means he's interested in you producing fruit. In other words, a life in keeping with saying that he is my God and Jesus is my Savior. We think God taking care of us is he's going to provide all my needs, and he is. But that's not the big picture. The big picture is fruit. Life coming forth from you in keeping with the fact that you say, I am his disciple. That's what he's interested in. So we've been talking about this over uh, the last three weeks to finish this out today. But it's an important part of this that we did not cover yet. So this is what we're going to cover today. So I have uh, a couple of young people helping me read the scriptures today. So we will start with, uh, let's see, Miss McKenna. Where's McKenna at? Everybody say hi, McKenna. And I'm getting this mic on for you. There it is. Okay. So McKenna is going to read a section of this that we haven't really talked much about in this series. So how are you today? Good. Doing good. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Are you coming to the church picnic? Did you bring food? What did you bring? Cheesy potatoes. Oh, cheesy potatoes. I like that. Good job. I'll give you a high five for that. Did you help make them? Ooh, ooh, well, I'm not sure now. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Are, are, you, are you a good cook? Okay, I believe that. Okay, here's the mic. You want to hold that and read your passage. So she's going to be in John chapter 15, starting in verse number, what I tell you, nine? Okay, verse number nine. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commitment that you love one another as I have loved to you. Greater love has no one than this that someone laid down his life for his friends. You are my friends and if you do what I command you, no longer do I call you servants. For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends for all I have heard from my father. I have made known to you. You do not choose me, but I choose you. Appoint um, you, you that you should go and bear fruit. And that fruit you should abide so that whatever you ask the father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. Oh, good job. Thank you, Ken. That was, that was a lot. You did perfect. Thank you. All right, so let's talk about this for a minute. So we've been talking about what it means to abide in Jesus, that he is the source of life, that God is the gardener, and he's, he's even going to do things like prune us to help us grow. But we didn't talk about this whole aspect of love. So, just to throw that first slide up here. Now, I know I'm positive that I use this exact same slide within the last couple of months. The slide says, what's love got to do with it? And the answer is everything. Now, how many of you, how many of you when you read that, what's love got to do with it, a song popped up in your head? Okay, anyways. <laughs> you bunch of heathens. I'm kidding. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> it did me too. So, anyways, what's love got to do with it? absolutely, positively, everything. No matter what we talk about in the scriptures, 
it either boils down to love or it's directly connected to love. You can never separate the idea or the thought or the aspect of love out of what it means to live the Christian life. Can't do it. So what does love have to do with it? Absolutely everything. The Bible says in 1 John that God is... Now, now, it is believed that the author of the Gospel of John where we're at today is the same guy who wrote 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. If you read the Gospel of John, you read 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, John talks a lot about love. What's interesting is we think this is John, who is uh, James and John, the brothers, sons of Zebedee, right? If you know any stories about those guys, these were the two guys who wanted to call down fire from heaven and burn up the Samaritans, remember? Well, after John started learning some lessons in life, he starts talking about love instead. He goes from wanting to torture a bunch of people that he said they're our enemies to now teaching us what it means to live in love. What's love got to do with it? Everything. As a matter of fact, the famous verse of the Bible is also found in the beginning of the Gospel of John, earlier in the book we're in, for God so loved the world, he sent his one and only son. Whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. God loved this world even though we're lost and messed up. Jesus comes because of love and he joins this dumpster of humanity to save us. That's the incredible love of God. So what's love got to do with it? Everything. Now what John is saying as recorded by as Jesus Jesus is saying, if you really want to know what it means to abide in me, stay in me, abide in my love. It is the love of Jesus, the love of God, that is the provision for all that we need. So God so loved the world, he sent his son. Salvation comes because God loves us. You can't separate from that. So everything that we need to live life in him is found in his love. So you've got to learn not only to abide in him, persist, and stay, and keep at it, but you have to abide in his love. In other words, the provision of what he has for this life. Abide in his love. Now, I want you to understand something. Everybody listen to what I'm about to say. God loves everybody. You, you can, in your mind, construct the biggest, darkest, deepest, evil person in this world. You shouldn't do it, but you could. And God loves that person. But here's what I do know is not everything the love of God provides ends up that people walk in it. Is that true? In other words, does God forgive whoever asks? But does everybody walk in his forgiveness? No. Is eternal life an aspect of something he gives us out of love? Yes. Is everybody going to walk in eternal life with him? No. See, what God provides in his love is something you must abide in because there's an opportunity for you not to abide in it. Stay in his love. As a matter of fact, what happens then is because we abide in his love, it begins to mean something to us. So, Jessa, where's Jessa at? I think Jessa's got a, a verse. Why don't you come up here? Everybody say hi, Jessa. Hi, Jessa. Is this mic on? Check, check. All right, let me turn this on again. Make sure this thing works. We're hoping. There we go, Okay. Just has got a verse out of John chapter 13 and verse number 34 and 35. Are you going to the picnic today? Yes. Did you help make the food for today? No. Okay, all right. <laughs> Being honest. All right, go ahead. I give you a new command. Love one another. You must love one another just as I have loved you. If you love one another, everyone will know you are my disciples. Amen. Thank you, Jessa. Good job. Now, now, the test case for people to know if you are a disciple of Jesus is if you have learned how to love one another. 
That needs to stay in your brain. The test case of true discipleship is learning how to love one another. Say it again. The test case of true discipleship is learning how to love one another. That's the calling of the Christian life. Because we're bought with love, provided for in love, and the chief fruit that grows from your life because of the source of life in Jesus and the gardener that is God working on you as you learn how to love one another. See that. So people can watch your life and see your life and see how you love others and know whether or not you belong to the gardener God connected to the vine, Jesus. That Jesus is your source of life. He's really the source of your life. You'll start to catch this. This is important. That we learn how to love one another. It's our calling. Now, to remain in his love, and some of the things McKenna read, to remain in his love, to abide in his love and its fullness requires in some way obedience. If you really want to stay and remain in him, you got to learn how to obey. So I'm saved with the free gift of the love of God, salvation, forgiveness, but yet then there's a response to that. In other words, I learned how to follow him. And you can't follow him unless you learn how to take some directive. But what's amazing is that Jesus sums up the directive of all the things that he taught. He sums it up. Here is my command that you love one another. Now, obviously I, I grew up and, and had parents that cared enough for me to have rules in the house. I went to school, I went to public school, so there were rules of being a model student. Wasn't always that, but in public school setting. I played a lot of sports, so I had coaches. All of those aspects, there's gonna be somebody telling you to do something. There's gonna be directives to follow. So, so when I, I play sports, I play football, so uh, I was a running back. So every play, a call was relayed in from the sideline. The quarterback called the play in the huddle. We were all given a directive. This is the play you're going to run. Don't go do your own thing. That wouldn't work. He called a play in the huddle. He'd get up to the line. He'd call cadence. The ball was hiked, and hopefully everybody's doing their job. It's only when everybody does their job that the play's successful. We're given directives. Jesus gives us the command. If you want to do this right, if you want to be successful in the kingdom, here's a command. Listen, the command is not a suggestion. It's not a hope if you really want to do this. It's called a command. Commanded. You're given a directive. And here is the command. Love one another. Because, well, what's love got to do with it? Everything. You got to learn how to love one another. That's the command. And, and what I want to challenge you with is this. You have to start really beginning to think about this, to actively reflect on this. Because it is our calling, because it's easier said than done, as a matter of fact, Part of this is we're called to learn to love others the way Jesus loves them too. That's hard. There's absolutely nothing easy about learning to love somebody else the way Jesus loves them. How many know that's correct? But yet we're called, we're commanded. It's not a suggestion. It's not if you feel like it. I tell you what, you can love other people when you're having a good day. When you're having a bad day, treat them like dirt. Don't matter. You won't find that in the Bible. Good day, bad day, indifferent day, whatever, you're called to love one another. And we've got to actively think and contemplate what does that mean and what does it look like. But here's the thing about Jesus. He gives us a directive. Let's go back to something 
uh, McKenna read to us. It says, let's see, let me find where I'm at here. Oh, verse 13, chapter 15 and verse number 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. You got to learn how to love one another. I mean, here's one way you can start to look at it and model it in your life. Greater love has nobody than this, that someone would lay down his life for his friends. Well, we know in that instance he's talking about himself. He's in the process of laying down his life. This is right before his, his arrest and his crucifixion. For who? For us. Greater love has no one in this that you'd be willing to lay down your life for somebody else. That's what he's doing. The first directed, the first model, the first way we see how are we to love other people is in the command that Jesus gives by the example of his life that he would give himself for us. In other words, you can think about it like this. It's the second slide. If justice, you'll throw this up. Love is lived as self-sacrificial love. How do I live love in this world? Self-sacrificially. What is my model of how to do this? Jesus laying down his life. And this is our command. So bind Jesus, the source of life, gardener taking care of us. We're supposed to produce fruits. Right here it is. The fruit that comes forth from your life, in other words, the actions of your life, the way that you live, that people will see that you're his disciple comes forth in self sacrificial love. We can't talk about love in the church too much. Now, I know people get nervous about that. What about truth? What about, what about sin? Is it, is it? No, 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 no. Because love self-sacrificially will bind up in truth and what it comes from. Amen. When you think about self-sacrificial love, it goes something like this. Maybe things to, to cause you to think a little bit. The willingness to put others first, even if it means you don't benefit at all. As it's called the golden rule, you treat others as you would like to be treated, even more so. Self-sacrificial love says, I seek the well-being of others and not just my own. Self-sacrificial love says, I'll do whatever is needed to promote life in other people. Self-sacrificial love also means I'm going to learn the large task of forgiving and what that means. See, that whole business about not just being a servant but being a friend is this, that you're catching the heart of God. And I'm not just doing things because I'm being told to do it. Well, it's a command, now I need to. But you start to catch the heart of God behind the command, and that changes everything. Because I'm not just trying to accomplish a task, but I'm doing it because I catch what God is up to and I want to be a part of it. I've seen what that self-sacrificial love means to me. Now, how can I turn around and live it in somebody's life? You see that? If I can understand the heart of God. By the way, how do you start catching the heart of God? Because you abide in him. You abide in him. You stay. You persist. And when you start to catch the heart of God and you really start to see this incredible love that is self-sacrificial in nature, it'll mean something to you beyond just trying to do it. You'll start to understand why. Because it's really what the world needs to see him. Because without self-sacrificial love, ultimately there's no salvation. It is the way God works. Matter of fact, Self-sacrificial love, I'll say this, is the engine that drives the kingdom of God. If you want to be a participant in his kingdom, you got to learn it. But here's the thing. To learn self-sacrificial love, it's got to go beyond just trying to learn it mentally, academically. You actually learn it by doing it, and that's the thing. 
that whole business is those who abide in him are the ones who obey his commands. It turns circular. And you begin to learn a lot by doing it. Not just thinking you know it. You really learn about self-sacrificial love when you actually put somebody first. Even when it's not to your benefit. That, that's when you really learn. You really learn self-sacrificial love when you forgive somebody and they didn't deserve it and they didn't even ask for your forgiveness, but you forgive them anyways. That's when you learn. It's the action of love that teaches you. And that's when the fruit really grows in your life. Going from a servant that's just doing what I'm being told to do to a friend who not only does it but understands something. I want to tell you something. When you really begin, begin to catch the heart of God, when it comes to this whole self-sacrificial love thing, your heart and your understanding for other people will change. And this whole business of God loving the world will, will be something that you start to see through different eyes, different lenses, like you put on glasses and it sort of changes everything. Kind of like, uh, I have to use reading glasses. So yesterday, she said, hey, look at this. It was a picture of, of Hope and this boy she's with this weekend at a wedding. Well, I went to look at the picture, it was sort of blurry. I was always, hold on a second, where are my glasses at? I look at the picture, now I can see. See, when you actually start to live put on different glasses, now you start to see differently. And you'll start to find the beating heart of God in love towards other people that would willingly lay down his life for them. And how you see everybody else absolutely will change. You're not in it for yourself anymore. You're not in it just to get what you get and get out of the game. You're not in it just to promote yourself. You're not in it to win all the time. You're not in it to have just your way. You start to see other people in a different light. That's self-sacrificial love. But that is what drives the kingdom of God. Amen. So my prayer for you is that you start to catch the heart of God. You, listen, that you start to see beyond seeing. As, as you guys know, look, you know, you know I, like to, I like to go outside and spend time outside. The best thing you do when you go outside is slow down and see. Don't, don't see, but see. You can walk through the most beautiful thing in the world and miss the whole thing, right? Because you got to slow down and look and see. See, that self-sacrificial heart of God that, that is growing in you and turns into action... Listen, you just don't see a person. You start to see what God sees. That changes everything. You just don't see the mess of the world. Oh, it's just mess. But you start to see the, the need for what God can do in that. Amen. It's not just living life and trying to make it through. But when you get the heart of God and start seeing with the eyes of God, that self-sacrificial love will start to boil up in you and life will change in what you do. That's obeying his commands. Amen? Amen? How many know we're called? How many know we're supposed to love? How many know it goes beyond yourself? Amen? Let's be those people. Let's stand up. Oh, Jesus. Lord, I pray we catch your heart. I pray we catch your heart. Lord, that we would be people who start to see with new eyes and ear, hear with new ears. We begin to understand with new things in new ways. So, Father, I praise you 
that you have saved us because of your great love. And I praise you because your love provides all things. But Lord, I pray it doesn't stop there where we become a people who are known to be your disciples because of how we love. Lord, I thank you for that, that we are going to grow. The Holy Spirit will help us become what you intend us to be. He'll convict us when needed. He'll correct us when needed. But he'll constantly show us this new way of living. New way of living. Because, Lord, it glorifies you. Lord, when you see those who claim to be your disciples live in a self-sacrificial way, Lord, it, it glorifies you. Because we truly are becoming like you. I thank you for that, Lord. People after your own heart, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, we all say, amen. Well, all right, kids, good job. You survived. It's good to have you today. I hope everybody's coming to the picnic or Banner Park over the, we're hopefully at the pavilion by the volleyball courts. Go over there. Have a blessed day. We'll see you Wednesday. <laughs>